So I'm super excited for this morning to be able to talk to you about what is the meaning of Christmas? What is the meaning of Christmas? And so uh, it can be rather confusing, confusing out there. So it's only a couple weeks away. And uh, uh, we had Jingle Jam last night and Friday night. That was awesome. Yeah. So we're going to have a video on that next week. But uh, I want to just by just curious, just want to ask a couple questions. Chris is two weeks out. How many people are done with their shopping? Okay, just a handful. How many people are in process with their shopping? All right, it's probably going to be better than the next service, I think, there. All right, how about, um, how many of you have not even got started? Not not even thought about it. It's not even, it's just out there. Okay. All right. How many of you are going to wait till December 24th, put on your game face, game on? You're going to get the Heisman Trophy of Christmas shopping. This is the 24th. Okay, I got to admit, sometimes I do that. How many people don't even care? Like, it's not the Grinch in the back. All right. Did you know, this is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, and the guy is going to be very happy about this, because I am going to unpack some of your holiday life right here. Watch this. Check this out. This is from Europe right here. The UK, Christmas shopping is bad for men. I thought I would get more of a response than that. I'm going to, but I'm going to read to you what it says here, because the reality is true. Watch this. It says, a study was done that showed that holiday shopping was hazardous for men's health, elevating their blood pressure, causing holiday hypertension. Check it out. And I quote, Christmas shop, this is by Dr. David Lewis. Christmas shopping raises men's stress levels to those experienced by fighter pilots and riot police in action. <laughs> Dr. D, you could YouTube, I mean, you could uh, Google it. Okay, watch this, though. There's one exception. Here's the one exception. Men like shopping if they're buying toys for boys. <laughs> but Dr. David Lewis is commissioned in London to monitor heart rates, blood pressure, stress hormones in male shoppers, and he found that men's stress levels went through the roof at the prospect of buying presence. So guys, here's what I got to say. Here's the take-home lesson. So when your wife or your girlfriend tells you like, why didn't you buy the gift or why didn't you go shopping? You can tell them, well, look, you know the stats. Do you want me to get a heart attack or not? (laughs) So with all the stress though in culture, this is what I want to say is that I think we need to get back to the true meaning of Christmas. I want to talk about that. What is the true meaning of Christmas? How does Christmas change your life? What difference does it make in your life? So here's what you're going to get. You're going to get three take-home points about that. i got three points. And then I've got three challenges for you. Challenges that could change your life or change other people's lives. So what we're going to do is, if you're able to stand, we're going to read the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1, beginning verse 18. I'll read the even verses, verse 18 and 20 and 22, and I'm asking if you could read the odd verses. So we are going to read, this is the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. And Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you that we can look at the greatest story ever told, the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we may see it and grasp the reality and the significance and the power and the life-changing trajectory that it could cause for each of us as individuals. God came to our planet, Emmanuel. So speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed saying? So we're going to unpack a historical, uh, factual event here. And we're looking at Matthew's gospel. Gospel of Matthew here, the first uh, book of the Bible, the first chapter of the Bible, the first page of the Bible. What we see here is Joseph is absolutely resolved. It's like game over, done with that. Uh, I'm not going to marry Mary. But the angel of the Lord says, no, God has a different plan. And it's not like you think. It's not a dude, it's the Holy Spirit. And you need to go to her. And so Joseph, being an obedient man to God, then the, the angel didn't have to appear in person like for many other people, but just appeared in a dream. Joseph, um, He rolled with that. And so, verse 23, look, the virgin is going to conceive a child. She's going to give birth to a son. They're going to call him Emmanuel. This is going to change everybody, change everyone for all time here. So the angel says, Joseph, this child is is of God. This child is actually God. The child in the womb, in Mary's womb, the peasant teenage womb there, is going to be the Messiah of Israel. You're to take her as your wife. And so... The meaning of Christmas is what? The meaning of Christmas is that God is with us. Here it is. This is the meaning of Christmas. What kind of us? Not very nice us. Not very good us, but with us. And so the message is clear that this is going to change everything. That this ushers in a new era. A new day has come. That the planet, the people will never be the same. So Christmas then is a new reality. New reality that you can have a relationship with God. Really, who talks about that? That God has showed, that God has skin, God has showed up in our planet. So here's the meaning of Christmas, and she will have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Watch. For he's going to do what? Read that together. For he will what? He will save people from their sins. So he's a sin-saving God, a God that's coming to be with us, but he's a sin-saving God here. And so central to the story is this, uh, that we seldom hear in culture, and I think we need to be kind of renewed and rerooted in this, that the Christmas story, watch, the Christmas story's all about sin. That, well, think about it. That's all Joe got. It's about sin. I mean, who tells it to you just like that, that this tiny little word, this tiny that has immense, huge implications here, uh, sin that we have no capacity to get rid of. Think about that. There's nothing in the genetic code that can rid you of sin. You are stuck with your sin. There is nothing that you can do about it unless you embrace the Christmas story here. Sin that negatively impacts everyone and everything for all time. There's no escaping it. And so the sin is, gets in our system, and think about it. Is there anything about us that you can flush out sin out of your system? Is there anything uh, that we can purge ourselves of sin? No, we're stuck 
with sin. So the first angelic proclamation was this. Jesus will save people from their sin. And so the meaning of Christmas is that. And so Jesus then is going to address as a solution and an answer for what we don't have an answer for. We have no answer. Culture, the world has no answer for sin. We're not created with the capacity to eliminate sin on our own. So left to ourselves, really, we have no answer. So now the angel didn't just tell Joseph uh, to marry Mary, but to give the baby a name. And I want to talk about that. And she, that is Mary, will have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, which means literally God saves. So Jesus' name there, think about this, embedded, encoded there, included in Jesus' name is two things, central to who he is. One, okay, his identity, he's God, God saves. Secondly, his ministry, what he does, what he came for to, sa- to save us of our sin. And so this, friends, is the great gift of Christmas. Here it is. And so watch. Jesus then was not just like, a representative of God. He wasn't just a spokesman for God. He wasn't just an instrument in God's hand. He was all those things, but he was far more than that. He was God. God now dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And so the core meaning, the central meaning, the irreducible meaning of Christmas is this. that Jesus Christ has come, born in Bethlehem, and was God. So small enough, think about it, God there wrapped in skin, small enough to be held on the breast of Mary, but big enough that the Bible says this in Colossians 2.9, watch, all the fullness of God in a human body. So there he is, Mary holding the baby, but what she's holding is all the fullness of God in a human baby there. And so what we realize here is that Jesus' name means God saves, and the baby here, Emmanuel, 100% God, 100% human, at the same time. All God, all human, wrapped in one. God became the incarnation. God became Christ. So Jesus' name means God saves, not God hears, not God heals, not God is our hope, although he is all those things, not God helps, not God counsels, not God comforts, but God saves. That's who he is. So, because the one thing we need, think about it, I hope it's painfully clear, is that we need someone to save us. Like the speaker this morning, I desperately need someone to save me. And so, a friend, a, a, a friend uh, kind of a friend, Uh, someone that I know, Uh, let me say it that way, someone that I know uh, has a a daughter, and when she was little, they were shopping, and they were out there shopping, and so the wife had to go and get a couple extra things they forgot, so she ducks into the store, so the little daughter there is is trapped in her little uh, car seat there, windows are rolled down, time is going on, she can't take it anymore. She's getting progressively more and more restless, more irritated. Some of you that have babies, you know what, uh, what this is like here. And so finally she can't take it anymore, and she leans as far as she can 
sticking her head out the window, and she dramatically, desperately screams out, God, save me! And so, to the embarrassment of her father. But she was stuck. And that's a picture of how we can be in life just stuck where you want to stick out your neck and say, God, save me. Because we can be stuck in our lives. Think about this. I want you to think about this. How many people, don't raise your hands, how many people you've been stuck because of foolish decisions that you have made or that others have made that impact your life? And you feel stuck. Others maybe feel stuck in a career, feel stuck in college, Maybe you feel stuck in a cycle of hurt and pain and heartache. Other people, you feel stuck maybe in some relationship. It's a dead-end relationship. Some maybe dating, maybe others. But others of you, you feel stuck in your body breaking down. Others feel stuck in addiction, feel stuck in our brokenness. We can feel stuck in our multiple Uh, expressions of sin. So what do we do when we feel stuck? Sometimes we wake up. Sometimes we sober up. Sometimes we look up. Sometimes we realize that we need somebody to save us from our stuckness. Like the little kid that wanted to be unbuckled, wanted to be released, wanted to be saved. So what then is our greatest need? That someone would save us. And who is uniquely qualified to save us? Because I can't save you. You can't save me. I can minimally help you. You can minimally help me. Only Jesus can save us from our sin, the gift of Christmas, the greatest sacrifice. And he's uniquely qualified because the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, watch, everybody look here. Christ never sinned. Like he never sinned. So he's a perfect the perfect sacrifice. Think about this. What does that mean he never sinned? It means that like he never held a grudge, never had unforgiveness in his heart, never had revenge, never had bitterness, never had a wrong attitude, never had a wrong reaction, was never annoyed with people uh, over the success of others. I don't know about you, but sometimes things just, they'll annoy me. And, uh, and, I read, and as I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, like, I'm so unlike Jesus. Like, I, I, I can sin in my annoyment here. He never secretly criticized someone or found fault in someone. He never gossiped. He was never self-centered, never self-absorbed, never self-focused, never self-obsessed. He never sinned. And so now we have Jesus, a perfect sacrifice, who's never sinned. And the Bible says about us, for all have Sin, right? Romans 3, 23, all of us have sinned. And here is the problem that only, the, that only God will tell you that there it is sin and who is the problem, who is enmeshed, who is immersed, who is in the middle of sin, but I, but me. See, the problem is me. Now think about this. Think about this. Sin places I right in the center of the world. That's what it does. It makes you the center of the world. And then the other people around you, in your family, in your culture, in your business, in your church, in your whatever, all of them also by nature, they think the world revolves around their version of I. So now you have eyes clashing with other eyes there 
because we can think we're at the center of our world, and really we can get stuck in that, and the mess that it causes is immeasurable. So what do we need here but a God who saves, who saves us from our sin, and Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. And so what is the meaning of Christmas? Is it Emmanuel, God is? One more time, God is with us, right? Okay. And then secondly, Jesus will save us from? We need a little bit more caffeine this morning. This is the decaffeinated worship experience. Okay, so God is with us. Jesus saves us from our sins because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. The Bible puts it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Message Bible, that God, watch, watch, God put the wrong, that is our sin, on him, that is Jesus, who never did anything wrong or never sinned. So you, that is you here this morning, you watching online, could be right with God. So Jesus became everything that he was not, so you could become everything that he is. He who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's beautiful. The meaning of Christmas. So God credited to your account everything that you are not when you believe on Christ. This is the reality that will change you at Christmas. Changes us right down to your very nature, the core of who you are. And so Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Peter, he personally carried in his body your sins of the cross. What does this do? Changes your identity, changes your direction. For me, it changed my dreams also. I had all dreams that were absolutely unrelated to anything eternal or spiritual. Changed all my dreams. We realize that we're not stuck. We're washed of our sin. We can be right with God. You can experience the best version of you because of Christmas, because of what Christ did on Christmas See, we've been released and we've been freed and we're saved. And of course we have problems until our dying breath. But we have Christ within us. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So living, transforming, helping, assisting, strengthening, inspiring, encouraging you that he cares about you in the midst, in the middle of all your problems. And we will still sin, but we have a paraclete the one who comes alongside to help you in your life that we need. And so it all happened on the cross. The babe in the manger became the Savior on the cross. The greatest gift of Christmas was really delivered to us, not just on Christmas, but also on Good Friday. Because Good Friday, where Jesus went to the cross, became the Savior, was raised from the dead on the third day, became the Savior of the world. So friends, to really understand and get our minds around and grasp the heart, the essence of Christmas, and what you'll never find on a Hallmark card is this. The result of Christmas is a relationship with God through Christ, through the forgiveness of sin. That, I can tell you, is the most riveting, significant, powerful costly, life-changing, transformative gift that has ever come down the pike in the last couple thousand years. And if you miss that gift, 
you are missing everything. Because you can get every gift there is to have. Watch. You can get every gift that there is to have, and you will be empty on the inside forever. The Bible says we're created with a void. God created void. That only the gift of Christmas can fill that void. Changes everything, friends. So I wonder uh, if you could be renewed in the reality of the greatest gift of all time, Jesus Christ, our gift. And so uh, that we would give him away this Christmas. And I want to close by doing this. I thought it would be fun, for me anyways, I thought it would be fun if we could, I could challenge you, I could encourage you with three ideas that I have. Three ideas that you could give away this Christmas. They don't really cost money. Maybe one of them does, but for the most part, they don't cost money. Here's the first one. I want to challenge you, encourage you, okay, to reach out to a forgotten person. I don't know about you, but, but I encounter more lonely people than I ever have in my whole life in the last year or so. Do you experience that? Just counter all these lonely people. Not only that, there are so many forgotten people, COVID, people punched out, punched out of church, punched out of life, punched out of community, and not really re-engaged like that. So there are more people that, that need to be reached out to, more forgotten, lonely people than I think ever really in my lifetime. So who do you know that's forgotten? Who do you know that would mean so much to them if you just listened to them, maybe gave them a phone call, maybe even a text message, uh, maybe you even did this. I periodically do this. I will walk through the neighborhood and look in the homes. Everything seems, you know, nice cut lawn and everything looks nice and manicured. But you wonder what, what's going on behind the nice manicured home there. What's going on inside and pray for them as you walk through the, the, the neighborhood. And maybe, just maybe there, you encounter someone who needs a listening ear, maybe needs a hug, maybe needs a handshake, Maybe needs an invitation. Maybe needs an invitation to engagement or Christmas Eve worship experience here. But reach out to a forgotten person. The second thing I want to challenge you to do, some of you are not going to like this. I want to say right up front, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I've got the microphone, so I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> Be patient with a challenging relative. How do you people live in Jerry Springer 2.0 every Christmas? You're, for those of you that know who Jerry Springer is. And so, uh, so it is somebody just thinking that of you. They have to be patient with you. Just a thought. And so Christmas, I was on a crowded elevator uh, yesterday, and it's like awkward, you know? You get in the elevator, and I'm like, oh, crumb. I was hoping I could just go solo. And it's just awkward. It is, I didn't, there's nothing to enjoy about it. Maybe you say, you know, how are you or whatever. But it was like in a hospital. And, I, you know, it just was not conducive to community or conversation. So, and sometimes you feel like that, like you're doing life on a crowded elevator. And then that comes to like an intense level of expression when you're with family. And you want to put on the plastic smile there. And, and it can be hard to extend grace. But I want to challenge you. Can you extend grace, especially if you're a Christ follower, having received grace, could you expand, dispense a little bit of grace in a relational atmosphere there at Christmas time? I know. And let me say this. Like he says, you know, you don't know my life. You don't know my family. And that's right. And you, you don't know mine either. And so, but I know this. 
I know that for many of you, there are boatloads of pain that surface at Christmas. And there is for me too. There is for me too. And I don't think, and I'm not naive enough to think that one holiday that you can undo generations of pain, generations of brokenness, generations of, of hurt, maybe years. I, I get that, but I want to say this, but you just don't know that you couldn't sow a seed and then water the seed and someone else maybe harvest that. But you just don't know that God just could be working in their hearts. So you know what that looks like in my life? Is that I have a nephew that is broken and is in a very rough patch. And so I'm reaching out to him. He didn't want to have anything to do with me because of the brokenness of our family, the brokenness of my sister and him and their relationship. And so I've been reaching out to him for over a year, and he just kind of wouldn't even respond to the text. I thought, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep inviting him. And he's never been to one thing I've invited him to in the last year. Finally, he said, yeah, I'm kind of messed up. Lunch sounds good. Uh, we're going to have lunch. But I just kept, in the midst of the brokenness of our family, just kept reaching out, be patient. Don't give up. You never know when the no can be turned into a yes. And number three is this. My third idea is this, is give an extravagant gift. It doesn't need to mean money. I'm not necessarily saying that. Think about Mary there, the friend of Jesus in the Gospels. She poured out that costly perfume there and, uh, before his crucifixion. While others were criticizing her, he said, but she has done what she could. And I'm asking you that you would do what you can. Not more than what you can, but you would do, like Mary, what you can do. And I'm not talking about necessarily something you've got to go out and buy something expensive. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that is simple. Maybe as simple as baking something. Maybe as simple as is a note that's meaningful. Maybe something, a, a picture that you paint. A song that you sing. Two years ago when my father was dying at Thanksgiving, uh, and that led into Christmas, I'd never sung to my father, and I began singing almost every day over his dying body. It's a gift. You can give the gift of apology or the gift of affirmation. It could be a life-giving gift an eye-opening, life-transforming gift that you could give. And so a story like this of Chris Autry, and hold on until I ask you to put up the picture. But Chris Autry was a 28-year-old student, and her father, it's kind of, it's kind of emotional for me because it's, it reminds me of, of what happened with my own father. But on Thanksgiving evening, she recognized that she would not be able to have Thanksgiving with her father because he... Uh, was not going to live for a long time. He had cancer and there was no treatment. True story, she was going to, get, going to get married shortly thereafter. So she had planned to get her wedding dress, but she, she just couldn't do that because her father was dying in the hospital. It didn't have long to live, but he, he insisted, 
He called her princess. He said, princess, I insist, go and try on and check out and get your wedding dress. And so she did. So she went and picked out the wedding dress after looking at 10 other wedding dresses. Relatives flew in from around the country to help her uh, with, pick out her wedding dress. It was like 15 yards of resplendent wedding dress material. And then she wanted so much for her father to be at her wedding, but she realized it probably was not going to happen because he was in the hospital, never to exit the hospital. So what she, they thought of, I would love to just go see my dad one last time. And the owner of the store said, you can take the wedding dress to the hospital and he can see the princess one last time. And so, but they'd spend all their money on medical bills. They said, we can't pay for it. We can't do a down payment. We can't do a credit card. And the owner of the shop, Amy Wells, said, just take the dress. And they said, no, what if we get it dirty? What if we, what if we wreck the dress? She said, I don't care. Just take the dress and go. And so without a last name, without a credit card, without a down payment, she went and she saw her father. And I want to quote to you, for three hours later, She's on the 10th floor of her father's hospital there. And he, and he wakes up there, opens his eyes. And, uh, and here's what Chris said, and I quote. She said, those, those seconds that we had were magical. My daddy saw me wearing the most beautiful dress. And he smiled, and he just kept looking at me. And he held my hand, and I held his hand. And I asked him, Daddy, do I look like a princess? And he nodded. And he looked at me, and you can show the picture a little more, and he looked like he was about to cry, and then he closed his eyes. And three days later, he died, and that is an extravagant gift. So we all, and I don't have to be that dramatic, but we all have, we all have opportunities to do something that if we would just get out of ourselves and get out of our comfort zone, Perhaps there's a jack on tree in your life waiting and waiting would be impacted by you. Could be impacted by your kindness or your forgiveness or your generosity or your remembering them or your counsel or your simple visit or friendship or you're just fill in the blank visiting somebody in the hospital there. And I wonder if this Christmas understanding the true meaning of Christmas, that we could just ask God to use us. That we would be, perhaps, a gift this Christmas of what he might do and what could happen. So as the worship team comes up, I want to just lead you in prayer and then a close in worship. So Father, thank you for the true meaning of Christmas. Thank you, Lord, that you came to our planet, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus would be the one who would save us from our sin, the perfect sacrifice. And I pray, pray, Lord, that this Christmas and the Christmas that are remaining, that you would grace us, that you would grace us to give an extravagant gift, that you would grace us to be patient with a challenging relative, 
and that you, Lord God, would grace us to to reach out to someone out there, a, a forgotten person. I pray that you would do what only you can do in us and through us and have your way among us. May we say yes to you and bring no requirements with our yes. Pray that you would do this and you would do more. In Jesus' name, amen.